This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. I remember last uh, time I taught, I was still on Jerism or Gurism, however you want to pronounce it, G-E-R-I-Z-I-M. And uh, that mountain was uh, had many things in it, and I thought I was going to finish last week, but I probably won't finish this one or the next time. Because uh, we ended up going back to when Jesus visited Gerism, and that's where the Samaritans were. They hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans. And uh, the reason being is the Samaritans were kind of half-breed Jews. And when they, you'll see in a minute, when the whole Jewish nation was coming into Canaan, when they entered in, God had commanded them to stand on Gerizim and give them the blessings, stand on Ebal and give them the curse. The mountain of Gerizim was in the valley of Nabulus and it was two mountainous sections. So, but it was all on the West Bank in Israel. So they made the pilgrimage in and God said, before you enter into Canaan and you start taking Jericho and you start annihilating all these enemies, I want you to bless uh, Jerusalem and curse Ebal. And the difference is, 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 is the, he, we show in contrast in scripture, it's a battle between good and evil. Good and evil. That's Ebal versus Gerizim or Gerizim versus Ebal. It's, it's a conflict. And the conflict goes on today. But we're not going to get back on the Samaritan women in the uh, Samaritan nation. It just baffled the Jews the disciples, when they saw Jesus saying, look, you go buy meat, I've got to go to Samaria. And they said, oh, they panicked because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And so that story was the last time. But we are going to uh, actually start here in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we'll discuss the mountain of Jerusalem and the mountain of Ebal. They're both the same mountainous region. I may get off on a tangent when I start talking about when this actually took place. That's why I probably won't finish. Because uh, Rosh Hashanah, very few know about the Jewish holiday. I've done extensive study on all of them. In fact, I've taught on them. These are the couple of weeks leading up to Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, which is in October. It all falls into when I do my Christmas lesson. This is not the Christmas lesson this morning. But when John the Baptist was born, he was born six months before Christ. And so John the Baptist was born like in April and Passover. So Christ's actual birthday is in October. The reason they celebrate the 25th is the Christmas. That's when the Magi came and they went and brought gold, scents, and myrrh in December following the star and brought the gifts in. And so the Christmas season actually took over on December, but his actual birth is in October, somewhere around October 10th, which after that, the Feast of Tabernacles follows, which is Sukkot, which is the Feast of Booths, which is a memoration of how God brought the, Egypt, the, the Hebrews out of Egypt, and they dwelt 40 years, in, uh, and they lived in tents and lived in booths, and they, all their sacrifices was done, and so this was called Sukkot. And, uh, or the Feast of Booths. And every year after the Day of Atonement, they celebrate that even today as the Feast of Tabernacles. 
before we go to that, let me go somewhere else. And why am I why am I so excited about that? If you go to Zechariah real quick. Let me see here. Hang on. I'm going to show you something here. Go to Zechariah chapter 14. And uh, I'm going to get on the lesson in a minute. The reason why we as Christians should have in our heart and our mental capacity that we are going to do all we can for the church, not specific for the church of, of God, for God, for Christ. We work so hard because after the rapture and after we're tried and after we're judged for our good deeds and our bad deeds and everything's said and done and we come back in and the Christ takes over and he's in the temple, we're down here a thousand years in the millennium. That And then Satan's loosed for a little season. You know, he's been loose for a little season now. We don't know how long after the thousand years is up. Is, is, we're going to be down here a long time. And the Lord God specifically, I'm not going to get on the, the rewards. There's a difference in a crown and a reward. That's when we get our rewards for what we've done and how we've behaved ourselves as Christian people on this earth. And in the millennium, he's going to set up a government and the saints will govern this earth 4,000 years and in a little season. And so based on how we lived as Christians is going to be based on the job that he assigns us to to govern this world. Some people are going to be slopping hogs and some people are going to be sitting there watching the people slop hogs. That's just hypothetical. I want to do all I can because I'm tired of slapping hogs in this earth. I'm tired of struggles. I'm tired of battles. And, and, you know, the millennium is different than eternity. And why am I on that? You'll see here right now. But our rewards will be based on in the millennium of how we go, how we behave ourselves as Christians down here while we're here. But if you look at Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, that's why I brought up the millennium, because it's, it's critical. I'm not going to go into detail on the entire thing, but it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King of the Lord of hosts and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's your, and so if you look back in Leviticus when he first gave us the holidays or gave the Jews the holidays, he set it up and says, these are three, four feasts that you're going to keep forever. The Feast of Tabernacles is one of them. As I get closer to, to Christmas, I'll teach again. I teach the same lesson every year. But I change it every year. And you'll be fascinated with the with, with the the, the, the stuff that's in it, the miracles. Zacharias in the temple doing his work. Sees an angel. Anyway, that's the birth of John the Baptist. And the reason we know these dates is because John the Baptist, she, Elizabeth conceived John the Baptist six months ahead because when she went to Mary, when the angel came to Mary, he said, your cousin Elizabeth is already pregnant in six months. It's been six months. Okay, she was 91 years old. That was a miracle in itself when she had conceived. And so Mary went to see him, but 
but we know that John the Baptist was born in April. And so if it's six months after that, Christ, that would put him born in October. And so that's why I'm getting on. And that. So right now is Rosh Hashanah. A couple of weeks, the, the Feast of Trumpets. This is important. I personally believe out of all these feasts now, this is my take. This is not doctrine. I get myself sanctified and I get myself ready before every Jewish holiday because me, my personal, it's not a conviction. It's just I would love to see him come today. He could come tomorrow. He could come 10 years. I'm not putting a date on nothing. But I, in my heart, believe he's going to come on one of his days. He says, this is, and what better way would be today to be to Christ's birthday? Okay, I'm not going to predict nothing. But Rosh Hashanah is the Feast of Trumpets, the blowing of the trumpets a couple of weeks before the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Then the Day of Atonement, and then right after that, they got seven days, after five days, they got seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. They still honor it today, and we will honor it ourselves in the millennium for a thousand years or beyond. So get ready. It could be this in October on his birthday. You know, it's possible. You can't say it's not. But I can't say it is. But because then it might be on his worship day. Then it could be on Passover in April. Then it could be on the, the first fruits offering. Then it could be, you know, one of these days he's coming. <laughs> so, you know, I might live like a dog, you know, for three weeks out of a month. But when the month comes up and there's a holiday, I say, man, I got to sanctify myself. He's coming. <laughs> I say that hypothetically. But let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 29. I got all these verses marked here this morning because I've got a lot of stuff to get into. All right, Deuteronomy chapter, I'm sorry, 11. Okay, let's see. Where am I? They were on Jerusalem and Ebal. chapter 11 of Deuteronomy verse 26 and this is God talking through Moses behold I set before you this day a blessing and a curse see here they were they were rounding the troops up the whole Hebrew nation a million and a half people getting ready to go into Canaan the Ark of the Covenant ahead of them and they're getting ready to annihilate Jericho they're getting ready to annihilate all the enemies and march right into Jerusalem and, and, and be, and coming into Canaan, they've been wandering 40 years. I've already called on that, so I'm not going to go back to the challenges leading, you know, with you from, uh, Sinai. Okay. Verse 27. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord. Isn't that the way it is today? We obey the Lord and He's going to bless us. We're not, none of us going, every one of us are not going to bust out this world millionaires and leave with 20 homes or nothing. But let me tell you something. You know what a blessing is? Somebody that's ill gets a healing because you prayed. Because you're right. You know, blessing comes just waking up another day. And uh, so... Uh, let's get back here. I want to get on that. I just get. I just. I just think and pray for you, Sister Teresa. It's such an inspiring thing to me, personally. And you too, Brother David. It's. 
I can't imagine your heart there for a long time. And we both lost parents. You know, how do we go on? Okay, I'll pick that up in a minute. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Now, all through the Bible, I'm going to hypothetically talk again, but not really because it's, it's, I got scripture to back it. He speaks all the time. You're an adulterous nation. You're, 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 all you do is commit adultery, but it's spiritual adultery that God talks about all through the Bible. It's not running the streets with, with a bunch of uh, worldly people. He talks about if you put some, a, a dead God that can't hear, a dead God that can't, anything that you put before me, that takes you away from trusting in me, that takes you away from, from worshiping me, that takes you away from giving me your heart, that's adultery. We're committing adultery against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and God himself. He calls it spiritual adultery, and he calls it all through the Bible. So he says, you know, he, this is where the blessings and curses come from. You don't put another God, you don't trust another God, and what is another God? It's, look, When I was coming up, we, I mean, you, we had to get some folding chairs out just to come in Sunday school. Sunday school. My mom and dad started a church. It was five families. And they built that church. They got out there and worked and built that church. And it was, ended up being over 300 people. Had a school and everything. And people had a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I, I just can't understand how somebody can get up Sunday morning. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm on today. I'm gonna, I'll go to church. Honey, where's my Bible? Oh, I don't know. You took it down here last week. I thought, is it in the car? How? I just don't understand people that say, I love God. I'm in love with Jesus. I just have to go without my Bible this week. When's the last time we read it? I mean, this stuff happens, folks. And uh, I know you too, brother. When you came up, people, I mean, I used to, I've been to your church that you, it was packed. People, there was a hunger and a thirst for, 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 for God to, to do something in their own lives. All right, let's get back here. Where we at? To go after, this is verse 28. Let me read this again. A curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought you into the land, in unto the land, this is Canaan, whithersoever thou goest to possess it, before you enter in, before you charge, before you take off, before you go in there with, with, emblazoned and everything, you got to get things right. Before thou goest into the land which thou possess it, verse 29, Thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Ebal. They are not on the other side of Jordan. By the way, there is the sun goeth down to in the land of the Canaanites and dwell in the champion against Gilgal beside the plains of Moor. Ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God hath given you, and ye shall possess it to dwell therein. And you shall observe to do all the statutes which I accept before you this day. And he goes on to tell part of the commandments. The Ten Commandments is big, but that's small stuff. It was big to the Jews, and they hung their hats on it. 
But let's go to verse 6 real quick. This is a commandment. This is this didn't say if you decide to do this is say if you don't do this, you're gonna be cursed. You're going to Ebal, you're, you're dwelling on Ebal if you don't do this. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes. What is a tithe? It's more than just a dollar. A tithe is part of your life. You know, that's what I brought up this morning, all these empty pews in here for Sunday. You're tithing with your body. Y'all are tithing right now. You're tithing right now. I mean, it's more than just money. You, you bring your sacrifice of your, your, your Lord, I want, yeah, I want to learn. I want to be closer to you. I want the blessing. And heave offerings, I'm not going to get it. That's another feast. I'm not going to, if I get on that, I won't finish. And the firstlings of your herds and your flocks, and, there's, and there ye shall eat therefore the Lord, and ye shall rejoice in all that you put your hands into and unto your households wherein the Lord God hath blessed you. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. That's all, most of the scriptures in the New Testament. Everybody goes, thinks, does what they, what they think is right. That's what he's telling us. From this day forward, your own charism, the blessings are on you. From this day forward, you do my commandments. You don't do whatever, whatever. You don't flow with the wind. You don't just flutter with the wind. You don't just, whatever feels good, just do it. You just don't do it. It says, you know, verse 8, Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. Because we all have different preferences. Uh, What's an example? You might like chocolate ice cream. I like vanilla, but you're not wrong for liking chocolate. But if you come in the door and we both take communion and I'm not right and you're right, woe to me. You know, woe to me if I go to this brother and say, hey, boy, better watch him over there. Look what he's doing over there. Hey, hey, gossip. Everybody, and where's the, the pews are empty. Everybody does what they think is right in their own eyes. And uh, this is what God is warning us against. And uh, the, the two mountains are Ebal and Gerizim, and it's a representative of good versus evil. And uh, I'm, let me see if I can find, think of where the verse is. But when they divide, when they put the blessings and the curses on, it took six tribes of Israel. It's twelve altogether. He said, "Okay, I want you six tribes to go on Gerizim, and I want you six guys to go on." Uh, Ebo. And God commanded Joshua on Ebo to erect an altar and do a burnt sacrifice right there and put the cursing on them. And then so they, they did that. And I, I, I remembered, I got one thing here. I looked up here. I'll look it up right now. This was recent. Let me see it. If I can. The details instruction that Moses gave later, the nation was commanded to erect an altar upon this offer of sacrifices on Mount Ebal. In 1987, after excavating, this is not too long ago, after excavating the northern corner of Mount Ebal, archaeologists located this altar when they discovered a large amount of kosher animal bones, which would have been used for sacrifices together with stone and ash. So, you know, when you go through the Bible and you look at history and things that have happened, it's all true. It happened just like they said it would. Let's, uh, let me see if I can find these, uh, 
some of these other verses. I've got them marked. Okay, I'm going to have to skip and come back to this. When they got to Canaan, when they got to, to, the, to one side of the Jordan, Moses was not allowed to go in. He couldn't do it. Well, when we get to the Mount of Transfiguration, we'll, we'll share something phenomenal about that. God allowed Moses, after being dead 4,000 years, to come and stand in the Holy Land. You know, in his, in his regular life, he was not. But we're not, we'll, we'll get to that uh, then. But Exodus chapter 17, I believe it is. Let me see if I can, I've got it. Let's see, this is one of them. This is why, this is why Moses was not allowed to go in and he commanded Joshua, hey, this is what God wants. You erect the altar on, on Ebal, you curse them, and then you go to Gerizim and bless them, and then we'll go in and annihilate these enemies. Aye, Jericho, and all these other battles before they went in. Verse 5 of chapter 17 of Exodus. I'm going to do two different verses, and this is where Moses really messed up. The first time the people were complaining about water, they didn't have any water to drink, they wanted some water to drink, and, and the Lord said, verse 5, unto Moses, go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, and wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before there, stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. He's still in Sinai, wandering, wandering, wandering. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall water come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of that place Massa. Okay, now let's go to Numbers. And this is, this is where Moses messed up. Let's go to number, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 20. Okay. Let's go, let's read a few verses here, starting with one. <clears throat> then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, which would be April to them. They're getting ready for Passover. And the people abode there in Kadesh and Murun. Some people there and died and was buried. And there was no water for the congregation. This is verse 2. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. See, when we get further along here, God explains, listen, you're not annihilating all these enemies at all because you are righteous, because you've done something good, because all you did is complain. All you did is murmur. I'm going, to, I'm going to annihilate all these enemies because of anything you've done. I'm going to annihilate it to honor my promise that I said, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, I'm going to give them the land, and this will be where it's at, starting way back then when Abraham offered, but we're not going to go back into Moriah where he offered it, Isaac up on Moriah. But he did this and he honored it, not because of the people and how good they were, because they were just nasty, mean, backsliding people. So it was all, and I'll show you the scripture for that. God tells them, look, none of this stuff that you ain't killing these in. I'm inside, my spirit is inside that ark of the covenant. My power is on it. And we're going to annihilate these people. And I'm going to give this people, give you the land. I'm going to still be good to you. 
No matter how bad you are, you go after these other gods. You, you sit there and murmur and complain. You know I parted the Red Sea, and then I'm getting ready to cover it if I get to it. Yeah, I parted the Jordan, and you came on across. So in, in, in Titus 3, 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, because we are all evil. Not all of our good stuff, everything about us is nothing but filthy rags. But you write down Titus 3, 5. It says, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy and His grace. We, we, we don't deserve nothing. God's not good to us because God will pour His blessings on us no matter But when we get right, the grace of God comes on us and we can share the Word, even if it's just with a smile. I get so pumped up sometimes because I can go in the store and just look at the faces of people. Now, when I get on the road, that's a different story. My face is grimacing just like the rest of them. I'm thinking evil in my heart from stoplight to stoplight, from lane to lane. I'm sitting there, you know, everything short of profanity. I'm thinking about every single person that's in front of me or behind me. My wife said one time, I'm flying ahead of people, in and out, in and out, get ahead of them. And she says, you go get a ticket. We fight like cats and dogs when I'm driving. And she's, she says, she says, the Bible says to uh, uh, this and that, and you, you got to, to him that knoweth to do good, to doeth it not, is him as sin. And she cross quoting scripture. Let me say something. I'm following scripture. The scripture says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And I would have them pass me as fast as they can. Just as fast as they can. That's what I would have them to do. And so that's what I do because I'm doing to them what I would like them to do to me. And she don't. <laughs> if you think I'm kidding, you ask her next time you see her. How's Danny's driving? No, oh, scared to death. I don't like to drive with him. I'm, I'm shaking every time. <laughs> Let's get back on the lesson here. Moses, his failure. Verse 2 again. Numbers chapter 20. And there was no water for the congregation. They gathered themselves against Moses and Aaron. They, were, they, they, they took their eyes off of God and said, look, we don't have water. We don't have water. You know, as if God is, he parted the Red Sea but can't give them water. You know, sometimes in our own life, going off again, God can take us to the brink just to see where we are. I'll let things get just bad enough and then I'll intervene. But I want to see if, you know, that's my life. Another thing, I'm coming up on Halloween. I'll never forget it. Two years ago, I was doing a big event at a Baptist church over on Branch Road, Second Branch Baptist. And I was doing barrel train rides. We got a petting zoo and pony ride business. We go all out with it. And so I was all set up early and the lady was sitting there and she was talking to me. And, you know, it's, I like people to be around when I'm in, around other people. I just, I don't like being alone with anybody because he said, she said, and this and that. But, so I was trying to think of how I was going to entertain a conversation with her. But she started talking about the church and the ministry that she had. I said, well, I've been going to my... And so it just opened up the door and we were just talking church, gospel. And she says, yeah, that's interesting. She says, I can tell you, you know, a little bit. She says, what is your life's verse? And I'll be honest with you. I've been, been saved a long time and I have been... And that's the first person that has ever asked me, what is your life's verse? 
I didn't have to, oh, I didn't, let me think, what would it be? I said, Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I don't care what happens. I don't care what goes down. I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care what I got to do. I don't care how backslidden I get. I don't care what happens in my life. No matter what, I'm going to follow him. And we're going to all go down together if we're wrong. Brother, my pastor's taught us wrong. We all going down together. <laughs> Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain my ways. You can't change me. I can't change you. I am who I am. God knows who I am. It doesn't, I can't, that's, that's my makeup. He knows me. He knows what I'm going to do today. He knows what I'm going to do tomorrow. He knows what I'm going to do next year. He knows if I'm going to die tonight or next year or thin years from now. I can't, I can't change unless somebody puts a gun to my head. And then I'm thinking, how can I get that from him and shoot him? And, uh, but you ought to have a life's verse. If somebody just asked you, just blanketly, I'm not going to put nobody on the spot. What's your life's verse? What do you live by? What is the one verse in this whole 66 books? What is one verse that you hang your hat on? And, uh, why? I don't know. The Lord leads me sometimes. You know how it is, brother. You, you, you just start talking. That's important to me. Nobody had ever asked me that, and I'll never forget it because it was the week before Halloween. They were doing a big event out there. And, and I told her, I said, you know what? You're the first person that ever asked me that. I didn't know, but I shot it right out. Okay. People complaining about water. Let's get back. And the people chode with Moses. And spake, saying, Would God that we had died when we brethren would died before the Lord. You know, we could have died out there in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. Oh, my goodness. He, he's put frogs all in the whole palace. He killed the firstborn of all these people. He did all these things. But now we're just standing here. No challenges, just no water, and we're going to die. And that looks like people. Things go wrong just for a minute. And they, they take their eyes off of the Savior. Oh, Lord, I need some water. I don't care. You're not going to let me die of thirst unless it's my time to go. I'm going to trust you. All right, let's keep going. Verse 5. And wherefore have ye made us come up out of Egypt to bring us unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And if you, and if you look... Well, I'll get back to that. I'm going to get to that. Hold on a second, that thought. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle. See, they had set the tabernacle up because they were getting ready to celebrate Passover because it was the first month of the year. That's, you know, a lot of people miss that when, when, when they're reading. They're just read instead of studying it but we look back at the first verse that was in the first month and the first month is April and that's Passover and that's when God said every single April on this day you will set the tabernacle up and that's Passover folks you'll to remember how the death angel passed over that was a miracle in itself but anyway let's get back to the to here and Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle Aaron is the high priest of the congregation, they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord said unto Moses, and here's Moses' big fall, 
take thy rod and gather thou the assembly together. The last time he told him to strike the rod. That's why I showed that. So Moses is thinking, strike the rod. And thou, and thou, Aaron thy brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth water, and thou shalt bring forth them out. Let me see. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. Now that's another lesson in itself. I don't want to, man, I'll never finish if I go there. So shalt thou give the congregation and their beasts to drink. If you just speak to the rock, I'll pour water out and everybody's going to be satisfied. There'll be water to feed all the cattle. See, they had thousands and thousands of sheep and goats and cattle. And, and I mean, it was not just a million and a half people. It was a massive thing and they had no water. He said, so if you just speak to the rock, thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before them as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the whole congregation together before the rock. Now, he got everybody just sitting their eyes on Moses. All he had to do, Lord told me to speak to this rock, we'll go have water. I'm going to do what the Lord says. Rock, God says, bring forth. Did he do that? No. And he said unto me, hear him now, ye rebels. He was mad at them. He was angry. He was... why don't y'all just shut up and just follow? Just sometimes, you know, you got to think that in your head. You can't say it smiling. Would you just shut up? Just just go go, uh, jump off of Niagara Falls, please. And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock twice. God honored it, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not, you went against what I said. You didn't do what I said. I said, speak, you struck it. To sanctify me in their eyes and the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I giveth. So here he is. He told Moses, okay, you had your opportunity to stand before all these masses of people and show me power just by speaking. You took your own power, your own works, and you struck. And so what they, they believed, now what? Anyway, you can't go into Canaan. Give the rod to, Jan- to Joshua. Joshua will lead them out. You'll lead them out to Ebal. You'll lead them out to the edge of Canaan, but you can't go in. And uh, so Joshua, at this point, takes over. Boy, I told you I won't go finish. See, this is, uh, man, this is getting good. All right. Let's see, I don't, I'm trying to figure out what I can do in two minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Okay. Let's go. I'm not going to be able to develop that, guys. Sorry. Anyway, let's go to Joshua chapter 3. And I'll, this is where I'll pick up next time. Joshua chapter 3. I think, Brother David, you've taught on this before. And, uh, 
or and I have either brushed over it or either I can't remember. I know you you spoke on it before. This is hidden to Canaan. Hidden to Canaan. Okay. Let's go to Yeah. These were all on holidays, by the way. I'm gonna get to the holiday. The passage of Jordan, crossing over Jordan, going into Canaan. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and they removed from Shittim to come to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went to the host, through the host. They hadn't quite, they hadn't quite reached Jerusalem, Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, or Ebal. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Follow it. Follow the Levites. Follow that Ark. Stay behind the Ark. Don't get close to it or you're going to die. But you just keep your eyes on that Ark and you just follow. It's a, it's a, it's a thing like keeping our eyes on Jesus. Turn your eyes on Him. Follow Him. Just, you know, we know the way. We know the truth. We know the light. And we know that voice. Just keep your eyes on. And when you, when, when, when you're in trouble and you just feel Him, and you just feel Him, and you know He's real, you follow, and you follow, and you, and when we veer off, we die spiritually. And it's a lot of work to get back. I'm, I'm, boy, this is good, and I'm getting to here in a minute. Verse 4, And there shall be a space between you and it, the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubics. A cubic is about 18 inches, so I don't, I don't have the math. I've got it, but I've, I don't have it in my head. i got it on paper. I'm a, for the sake of time, I'm running out. It, that ye may know that way which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way before. A lot of times in our challenges, we haven't hit there before. We haven't been there before. But when we follow, we know we if we go this way or that way, it's not going to work. We've got to follow the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders. He's saying, get your heart right. We're facing a challenge here. Don't, don't go to, through this challenge without your heart right, folks. That's what he's saying. He said, everybody, it's either live or die. Our back's against the wall. Get down to your last match. We're getting ready to cross over. There's enemies over there. We're going to just follow that ark. But you got to sanctify yourselves because tomorrow it's going to happen. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day, I will begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel. All of your enemies are going to see something special here. They may know that I was with Moses. Moses is not with them now. So I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priest to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And I'm going to have to end. Would be, would, to give you a little taste of what's coming. They took this Ark of the Covenant. 
They had to carry it on staves. Nobody could touch that ark. All they had to do was just go before the people their way back and just stand in the water. And the people were sanctified. And when that million and a half people came crossing over, came the Lord, this Bible here says the river Jordan parted. And all of these massive numbers of people went across on dry ground. And when they got there, they erected the altar. It was time for sacrifice because it was another, it was Passover. Oh, April the 10th. Anyway, I gotta, I gotta go. I don't want to stop. David, you ever get the way you don't want to stop, brother? Because I learned myself when I read this stuff here and I, and I know it's real. It just, it just breaks my heart because I thought I failed him so much day to day. I get myself right at night. I sanctify myself at night. But when I start reading some of this stuff and find it, I say, if he did it before, brother, he'll do it again. If he parted the river to the sea once and the river once and, and, all, and, just, and just, just, just with his presence, annihilate enemies. He's with us, folks. He's in our hearts. There's not an enemy. And if, and if we go down, it's because he's allowed it. I would much rather go down because he's allowed it than go down because I messed up. And I'll, anyway. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.